Life Christian Centre is a church located in the city of Adelaide. It is made up of people from different backgrounds and walks of life who have been transformed through a relationship with Jesus Christ. For more information, visit us online at www.life-church.com.au So glad, so good that we can come to church on a Sunday, gather together with God's people, just be encouraged, uh, irrespective of what kind of a week we've had. Sunday morning becomes a reset, becomes a refuel. It's an opportunity for God to speak to us. It's an opportunity to reconnect with God. I just want to read a scripture that comes out of 1 Peter chapter 5. It says, says this, it says, So humble yourselves under the mighty power of God, and in His time God, He will honour you. Give all your worries and cares to God, for He cares about what happens to you. Be careful. Watch out for the tax from the devil, your great enemy. He prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for some victim to devour. Take a firm stand against him and be strong in your faith. Remember that Christians all over the world are going through the same kind of suffering you are. In his kindness, God called you to his eternal glory by means of Jesus Christ. After you have suffered a little while, he will himself restore support and strengthen you and he will place you on a firm foundation all power is his forever and ever amen i pray that god would encourage us this morning we were singing before you know we may be surrounded um, and it may feel like we're we're surrounded by all kinds of things and you know we don't necessarily have enemies we don't have soldiers with guns you know circling us but you know how many people know we can have some enemies in our minds and in our hearts and in our spirit and it may feel like we're surrounded um, but but we're surrounded actually by a greater army uh, we're surrounded by the Lord we're surrounded by Jesus and he's the one who's going to strengthen us He's guiding us. Jeremy said before, He's the one who's fighting the battle for us. And so we put our faith in Him. And this morning, I don't know what you're carrying. I don't know what you walked into church with. I don't know kind of what burdens are on your life and on your heart right now. But this morning, what an opportunity as we pray. Why not bring those burdens and just bring them to the feet of Jesus? Allow Him to carry them. Uh, Give them to Him. Allow Him to to work through whatever it is you're going through this morning. Come on, why don't we pray together. Father, we just thank You for Your Spirit that is here with us today. And we thank You that Your love is like the mighty ocean. We thank You, Father God, that there are no limits to Your love and mercy and grace, Father, in our hearts and in our lives. And You encourage us to come to Your throne with boldness where we can find grace and mercy in our time of need. And Father, you know the needs that are represented amongst your people. Just reach out by the Spirit of God. We just sense your presence here today, Lord God. We sense your Spirit that is here amongst us today. And and Father, we need you more than anything else. We thank you for all the things that we have, but the one thing we want more of anything else, Lord God, is you. It's your Spirit, your presence. It's your grace upon our lives. And Father, we thank you for this special day where... We honour the dads, Father. And our prayer, Lord God, is that you will bless every dad here today. We just thank you for the strength and support that they bring to this house. Let your spirit come upon them that they will be the men you've called them to be. And so just guide us today, Lord God. Just pray for those that may be carrying burdens. 
Let those burdens be lifted in the name of Jesus. Those that may be oppressed by every work of the enemy. Father, I just pray that they would get a revelation of who they are in Christ and that you're fighting the battle for them, Lord God. We love you so much, Lord God. And it's a privilege and an honour to be in your house today, Lord God. Our hearts are open to receive from you. Our spirit is open to hear your voice above all else, Lord God. And so come, we invite you to be part of this meeting. We need you to be part of this time, Lord God. Because we know that where your presence is and where your spirit is, there's freedom and there's liberty, Lord God. We know that where your spirit is, truth is spoken and truth has the power to set us free from all those things that are holding us back and to be everything that you've called us to be. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord God. I want to serve you all the days of our life. And this is our prayer. And we ask it in Jesus' mighty name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen and amen. You may be seated. Thank you. I'm going to invite Cardi. Here you are. Thanks, mate. Good morning, church. How are we? How are we? Good. Happy Father's Day to all the dads out there that are with us or online. And because it is Father's Day today, it's the only day where we can officially say a dad's joke and get away with it. So you guys ready for it? Here it is. Why did the invisible invisible man turn down a job offer? Apparently, he just couldn't see himself doing it. If you are here for the first time, please come back. Don't base your uh, today's attendance by my joke, but we're just a church that loves to have fun. But more importantly, we're a church that loves God and loves people. And we want you to be blessed by today's service. So if you do want to know a little bit more about us after the service, in the foyer we have a guest area where you can meet some really friendly people and ask any of the questions. Um, today's service, I know it's Father's Day, but we also have, it is a special service because we're actually going to be taking communion together for the first time in a really, really long time. So as you have walked in, you have received the cup. Um, there's two flaps. The first flap would be your bread and the second flap will be communion. So again, we're really looking forward to doing communion, communion together. It's power when God's people come together and do communion. Uh, this Wednesday night, we actually have life groups. Um, you know, God never creates do life alone. And what we love about life groups is it's, it causes us to create family within, a, within, with, within the church and together. So if you're not part of a life group, feel free to head to the foyer. There's a life group stand. We'd love for you to register. And lastly, um, we just want to thank all the people that continue to give uh, faith in their tithes and offerings. If you want to give, please feel free to go to the information desk where there's a um, secure box or uh, give online. God bless you. Have a great service. Doing the announcements, that was a shocking joke. I mean, seriously. <laughs> How did that one get through? You know, if you have your Bibles, Judges uh, chapter uh, four, Judges chapter four, uh, just a special thank you to all of those that gave in uh, last week's building offering. Uh, so far, we've raised just over a hundred thousand uh, dollars for that special offering. Come on, just give the Lord a clap and just a thank you. And I want to thank you for your incredible generosity. You're amazing as a church. And uh, if you haven't given yet, there's still time. There's still an opportunity to do that um, in the many ways that uh, Cardi spoke about before. Uh, Judges uh, chapter 4. Judges chapter 4. And I want to read from verse 1. Been reading through uh, Judges uh, and then onto the story of uh, Samuel and, and, and Ruth actually before uh, before Samuel, just some, some, just a, just a powerful section 
of God's Word. Uh, Judges chapter 4, reading from verse 1, the Bible says, Again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord, now that Ehud was dead. So the Lord sold them into the hands of Jabin, king of Canaan, who reigned in Hazor, Sisera, the commander of his army, was based in a really interesting place. Because he had 900 chariots uh, fitted with iron and had cruelly oppressed the Israelites for 20 years, they cried to the Lord for help. Now Deborah, a prophet, the wife of Lapidoth, was leading Israel at that time. She held court under the palm of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the hill country of Ephraim. And the Israelites went up to her to have their disputes decided. She sent for Barak, son of Abinoham, from Kadesh in Nephtali, and said to him, The Lord, the God of Israel, commands you, Go take with you 10,000 men of Nephtali and Zebulun and lead them up to Mount Tabor. I will lead Sisera, the commander of Jabin's army, with his chariots and his troops to the Kishon River and give him into your hands. Barak said to her, I will, uh, if you go with me, I will go. But if you don't go with me, I won't go. Certainly I will go with you, said Deborah. But because of the course you are taking, the honour will not be yours, for the Lord will deliver Sisera into the hands of a woman. So Deborah went with Barak to Kadesh. Go over to chapter 5. Uh, they, they, uh, they go into battle, win the battle. Chapter 5, verse 1. Deborah sings a song. On that day, Deborah and Barak, son of Ambinoam, sang this song. When the princes in Israel take the lead, when the, we, when the people willingly offer themselves, praise the Lord. When the princes in Israel take the lead, when the people willingly offer themselves, praise the Lord. Let's pray together. Father, I just thank you for your word. I thank you for this opportunity to gather together as your church. And I pray that you would speak to us. I pray that this word would become a revelation in our hearts, that it would trigger a thought in our minds and in our spirits today, that you would release us to be everything that you've called us to be. We bind every work of the enemy, every distraction, preconceived idea, every work of the enemy that would seek to limit us, release us to be your people, I pray, that your gifts be in operation, let there be a spirit of wisdom and revelation today. Find every spirit of fear and intimidation. Let there be freedom, we pray, and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Well, it's Father's Day, and I uh, want to give a big welcome to the dads. I uh, want to say a big thank you for the significant role that you actually uh, play, not only in your families, as uh, no doubt you do, uh, but also for the significant role uh, that you actually uh, play for the here, uh, for this church, for the stability that you actually play here uh, in the church. Come on, why don't we give all the men, all the dads uh, a big, uh, yeah, that was really loud. That was great. No, that's awesome. Come on, you can do better than that. Come on, they're amazing. Thank you. I want to speak today about what it means to be a man of God. I want to speak today about what it means to be a man of God. We're living in a time uh, where there's a lot of confusion about what it means to be a man. Uh, John Eldridge uh, said this, he said, society at large can't make up its mind about men. 
Having spent the last 30 years redefining masculinity into something more sensitive, safe, manageable, uh, and well feminine, it now berates men for not being men. Question is, what does it mean to be a man of God? What does it mean to be a man of God in the age that we are living in today? To help us unpack this, I want to briefly look at the story that we read in our text. It's a great story. Uh, Judges uh, was a time in the Bible where you have this roller coaster ride from Israel. God had led the people of Israel out of Egypt in slavery for 430 years and God leads them out and, and Joshua leads them into the promised land and then Joshua dies and, and then Israel goes into this roller coaster ride spiritually. At one point they are serving God and they're serving God faithfully. There are, there are some sad verses in the book of Judges right towards the beginning. The Bible says, And a generation grew up who did not know God, nor the things that God had done for the people of Israel. It's a sad verse in the Bible. God had done some amazing things in this generation, but along comes the next generation and they did not experience or did not know God uh, and, and what He had done for the people of Israel. And so they began to drift away from God. I believe it's a, wor- a verse for every church. It's a verse for all of us that just because God has done something in our life, it doesn't mean it's going to happen in the next generation. We need to pray for the next generation. We need to believe that God is going to do something in the next generation. Can I hear an amen? Now, I thank God we live in, we, we're in a great church and, and God is doing some amazing things. Even on Friday nights, I'm hearing some great reports with our young youth and young adults and the different generation and the children's ministry. We thank God. But church, come on, we need to pray and believe that they're going to experience the presence and the grace of God uh, for themselves. So at one point they're serving God. Then as the years passed, they started falling away from God and worshiping other gods. It's amazing. God had delivered them so powerfully out of Egypt. And, and, you know, within a hundred years or so, they're they're actually worshiping idols and so on. So God would back off and suddenly they're being oppressed by their enemies. and, uh, And then they would cry out to God. Uh, and so God would raise up a judge and free the people of Israel and things would be good for another period of time. Uh, and then um, they, would, they would serve the Lord and then it would start all over again. They'd, beginning, they'd start serving the Lord and then they'd drift away from God and then off, the, uh, off it would happen all over again. The text we read tells us the story of one of those periods. Israel had turned away from God. They were at the hands of King Jabin, being oppressed for over 20 years. And so Israel cries out to God. And at that time, Deborah was a prophet who was leading Israel at that time. So the Bible says she went, she sent for Barak, son of Abinoam. And uh, she says to him, the Lord, the God of Israel commands you, go take with you 10,000 men and lead them up to Mount Tabor. I will lead Sisera, the commander of the army with his chariots and his troops to the Kishon River and give him into your hands. So she, as the leader of Israel, was saying to, uh, to uh, Barak, she was saying to Barak, you go and fight this army because God has given them into your hands. Barak says, well, I'm happy to go, uh, but you need to come with me. And Deborah says, well, certainly I will go, but because of the course you're taking, the honour will not be yours. For the Lord would deliver Sisera into the hands of a woman. Now, it's as if Deborah's getting angry with, with Barak. And she's saying to him, here's a moment where you need to stand up. Here, here's a moment where you need, to, you need to lead. Here's a moment where you need to take the victory. 
but because you're not willing to stand up when you need to, lead when you're supposed to, because you have abdicated your responsibility to lead, then the honor's not going to be yours. The honor's going to go to someone else. Now, since the beginning of time, the enemy's been seeking to undermine the role of men. Now, let me make this really clear. God has a role for women. God has a role for men. Amen. There are, can I hear an amen? It's, it's a, are we okay to talk like this this morning? The, the Bible says uh, so God created mankind in his own image. Male and female, he created him. They were both created in the image of God. There's a role for men. There's a role for women in the name of We're talking about the men this morning. But some of these principles are going to apply for the women as well. But, but here, here, here's the situation. Since the beginning of time, the enemy has been seeking to undermine the role of men. And many men are abdicating the responsibility that God intended them to have right from the beginning of time. As men, there are some things that we need to abdicate. There are some things that as men we need to give up. Um, We need to give up the stereotype male role. Um, You know, there's a way of thinking many years ago, you know, men work outside, women work inside. (laughs) Amen. There are, there are some things as men, we, you're laughing, <laughs> I grew up in that kind of environment. I've got to admit it's still a little bit inside of me, I'm still working on it. But anyway, um, there, there, there are some things as men we need to abdicate, give up. Some of these stereotypic role of, of male and, 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 and we, we need to abdicate some of that, get over it, do the dishes, do the vacuuming, it's okay. You can still be a man and do some of those things and all the women said... You know, that was pretty loud there, man. That was very loud right there in Jesus' name. Some nudging going on there. There are some things we need to abdicate as men. But there are some things that we must never abdicate. Including taking responsibility for the spiritual well-being of our home. The emotional well-being of our home. The stability of our home. The well-being of our home. In a world of gender confusion, it's so important... We understand what does it mean to be a man of God today? We need to understand what what, what does it mean to be a a godly man? The Bible says they went to battle, they won, Sisera was defeated. And in different times throughout the Bible, you read that when the people of Israel won a particular battle, um, uh, after the, the, the victory, they, they sang a song. They would, they, would, they would break out in song. Miriam did after they crossed the Red Sea. Uh, I just read about Hannah after she had a baby. She, she, she broke out in song. It happened here as well in this particular section. And it says this, Deborah wrote a song to celebrate the victory. When the princes of Israel take the lead. When the people willingly offer themselves, praise the Lord. When men step up and and take the lead, trust God, understand their calling, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. When When the princes step up and take the lead, praise the Lord. It's powerful. Generally, men tend to fall into one or two categories. Passivism or control. You get this throughout the whole scripture or throughout the Bible. You see, you see these two extremes uh, throughout the whole Bible. Ad- Adam was this passive man. Ad- Adam was at a time where he needed to be strong. He was passive. So, you know, Eve eats the fruit. She's not meant to. And then she says, hey, why don't you take some of this? And Adam goes, yeah, I thought he'd eat some of the fruit. You know? Instead of saying, instead of protecting Eve or saying, what are we doing here? This isn't right. 
Abraham was passive. God had given him, given him a promise that he would be the father of a great nation. And his wife comes along and says, hey, why don't you sleep with the, with the servant? Because who knows, maybe, maybe that's, that's how the promise is going to be fulfilled. And, and Abraham go, well, yeah, maybe that's not a bad idea. Let's give that a shot, you know. You read about King David, King David in the Bible. King David was a man, a, a mighty man of God. We're going to look at another passage in a couple of weeks' time about David. He was a great man. He was a, he was a, he was a, a, a man of God. He was a, he was a fighter, a great fighter. But his family was a, was a mess. And, and, and there were things going on in his children, in his children's lives. He knew about and did nothing about it. Passive. Eli. Um, going, going to First uh, Samuel, and you'll see Eli, who was who was the priest. His sons were a disaster, and he was just well, kind of letting that happen, passivity. And then you have the control freaks, like the Herods and the Caesars, which is another extreme. Neither of those are examples of what it means to be a godly man. So the question is, what does it mean to be a godly man? In 1990, a guy by the name of Bill McCartney began a men's movement called Promise Keepers focus of the movement was to help men live with integrity and he developed seven promises or seven principles for men to keep and I want to kind of give them to you today very quickly with the rest of the time that I have and uh, as I said before these promises are great for men but they're also great for women all right so uh, just take it on board and I just pray that God will speak to us and this is not about making men feel bad but it's about allowing men to be everything that God has called them to be so I'm going to give you all seven promises. I'm going to start with number two. I'll give you the first one last. The second of the promises has to do with a man and his friends. What does it mean to be a man of God? Well, the, with the, the second promise has to do with a man and his friends. And it says this. We commit to pursue vital relationships with a few other men, understanding that he needs brothers to help him keep his promises. It's, it's a great script. It's a great uh, promise. Um, it's a powerful promise. What it says is that if a man is to be the best that he can be, he needs to develop a relationship with a few other men. He needs to have one or two other men in his life that he can open up to, that he can be accountable to. The Bible says this, two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity Anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Again, Proverbs says, As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. And if there's something that we need in our lives as men, but also as women, we need one or two people that we can open up to, that we can get close to. All throughout the Bible, we see examples of this principle. Moses had Aaron and her at a time when they were facing a great battle in Israel and Moses' hands were getting tired. He had Aaron and her on his side that enabled him to keep his hands lifted up and so win the battle. I believe that every man needs an Aaron and a her in their lives, needs another man that they can open up to and talk to, another man that they can say, hey, listen, and I'm going through a really hard time. Would you pray for me? Would you pray for me? Joshua had Moses. Paul had Barnabas. Timothy had Paul. The disciples had Jesus. Even Jesus, when he was there in Gethsemane, this was the, this was the most difficult time in his life. He brings with him Peter, James, and John. And he says, come with me and help me to pray in this most difficult hour. As men, we will go through some challenges. As men, we will go through some difficult times. And what's going to help us go through those difficult times? What's going to help us deal with some of the great challenges 
challenges in our lives is to have one or two other men that we can speak to, that we can open up to, that can help guide us through those seasons in our life. Can I hear an amen somewhere? Two are better than one. Now, again, go back to the stereotype male. You know, I'm big and I'm strong and I don't open up. And, and you know, the one thing that's going to kill all of us, male or female, it's pride. It's pride. Now, I can do this on my own. You know, thank God for GPS. How many people thank God for GPS? It's helped a lot of us males, you know what I mean? Because, because if we get lost, no, we're not going to ask someone for, for directions, are we? Come on. We're not going to ask someone for directions because we just don't do that. Because we don't want to ask for help. And, uh, and, you know, when it comes to life, that's going to kill us in the end. Greatest thing that we can do is have one or two other guys in our lives that we can open up to, speak to, share our deepest thoughts with. Our fears, our struggles, our temptations. Not men that are going to tell us what we want to hear, but men that are going to be honest with us and speak truth into our lives and, and confront us when we need it and, and call our gifts and talents in our lives. I thank God. I've had one or two guys in my life where I've been able to do this. I tell, I tell you, I wouldn't be here today if it were not for these other guys. Uh, many of you know, Pastor Elio has been, uh, has been not only the previous pastor here, but certainly been a mentor and a spiritual father in my life. He knows more about me than I know about myself. Well, he thinks he knows more about me. He's always willing to give me a few suggestions and, and, and tips. But I thank God for him. At, at the lowest points, I get on the phone and ring him and say, Pastor Elio, I'm going through this right now. You know, what do you think I should do? And he's guided me through some very difficult times in my life. He's, he's said, come on, you're going to get through this situation. This is what I think you need to do. And men, we need to be intentional about this. It's not just going to happen. You know, we live in a world today, and this, this goes for both male and female. We live in a world today where we have thousands of friends on, 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 on our phones and social media and all the rest. There are no real friends. And the way you have real friends is you've got to be intentional about it. You've got to go out of your way and start meeting with someone. When Pastor Elia went to, went to Canada and, and I thought, well, you know, he's not going to be physically here anymore. So I started to, to, to get on the phone and I, and I started to catch up with a few other pastors here from Adelaide. And I, and I said, is it okay if I meet you, meet with you from time to time and, and, and just have a chat with you? They said, absolutely, no problem at all. If, if this is going to become a reality, then we need to be intentional about having one or two other people in our lives that we can open up to, that we, that we can talk to about what's going on in our life that will guide us and help us through some of those difficult seasons in our life. Oh, Pastor Joe, I want to be a man of God. I want to be everything that God has called me to be. One of the ways is by developing some deep friendships with other men and talking to them. Can I hear an amen? Maybe. Proverbs says, like an earring of gold or an ornament of fine gold is a wise man's rebuke to a listening ear. Find a man, share your heart, and tell them what you need to be accountable for. It will help you in your walk with God. Third of the promises has to do with the man and his integrity. It says we commit to practice spiritual, moral, ethical, and sexual purity. More than ever, we need to commit to being men of integrity in every area, spiritually, morally, sexually. Uh, integrity always begins with the spiritual and then makes its way into every area of our lives. It always begins with God. It always begins with His Word. It always begins with prayer. It always begins with developing our relationship with God. And then it works its way into every area of our lives. At no time has this been harder for men 
than today. We're living in a highly sexualized society where, and where staying pure is extremely challenging. Um, of all the addictions that men can have, one of the, one of the worst is an addiction to pornography. And, 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 and many men, and now even women, are suffering with this particular uh, addiction. If it's not dealt with, it will kill a marriage. It will kill a future marriage. It will kill relationships. It will poison the brain. It, there's a lot of research in psychology right now that's talking about how, how porn actually affects the, the wiring in the brain, not for the positive, but for the negative. And like every addiction, the only way you ever overcome these is to admit that it's a problem and by being accountable to at least one other man. People think, what are the worst kinds of addictions? Well, a drug addiction, that's really the worst one, or, or an alcohol addiction. Yeah, they're all pretty bad. All addictions are pretty bad and, and so on. But this one here is above all of these, above all of these. Thank God that in our church community, we have programs like Valiant Man. That over the last few years, we've been able to bring our young people through courses, Valiant Man, that, that allow men to, to, and, and young people to be able to sit around a, 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 a group and to be able to talk openly about some of these kind of subjects. Men need to be accountable, not just for the negative things, but also for the positive. A man that prays and reads his Bible, that connects with the church, is going to be a better husband, a better father, and a better man. When you become accountable to someone for your behavior, you change. Pastor Joe, people say to me, oh, Lord, I'll, I'll, I'll deal with this one on my own. Again, what, what stops us from getting help? What stops us so often from getting help is just pride. There it is again. It's just pride. What are they going to think of me if I say this? Well, you know, the, the, the reality is if you could have dealt with this on your own, you would have already done this. Greatest thing that you can do is become accountable. I don't mean put it on Facebook and tell everyone what you're going through. I don't mean that at all. <laughs> I mean, just find one other person you can open up to and say, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm not doing well in this area. And like most addictions, they will, they will poison your brain and they will slowly uh, uh, affect every area of your life because that's the goal of sin. Fourth of the promises has to do with a man and his family. It says we commit to building strong marriages and families through love, protection, and biblical values. We build our families and marriages on biblical principles, not with passivity and not with control, but through the principles of God's word. Listen, you don't find a great marriage, you build one. You build one. You don't find a great family, you build one. And it takes work. Amen? Mm. I love what the Bible says. It says in Ephesians chapter 4. It's a bit quiet in here today. Everybody okay? It's okay. You're safe. Okay, it's all good. Really, it's all good. It's going to get better from here. Okay, I promise you. The Bible says, make every effort to, to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Uh, it takes effort to build a great marriage. Um, you know, sin happens really easily and really quickly. It doesn't take a lot of effort to do what's wrong or keep what's wrong. But it takes effort to build something great and something strong. Joe was doing some, uh, some graphs at my house the other day, and I just happened to notice out of one of the gutters, sort of like there's this, there's this little crack. It's five mil. It's a five mil little crack. And there's this healthy weed growing out of this crack. There's this big, this nice, beautiful, healthy weed. I'm thinking... 
you know, how, how does that, it's, it's, it's a picture of sin, how easily sin can grow. But, but you try and plant a tree, you try and plant a, something that's got to bear fruit on it, you've got to water, you've got you to do the whole box and die. And if you're lucky, you might get something out of it. And it's the same with sin in our lives and same with what's, what's difficult. Whatever's good is going to take work and not a lot of work. Some people say, Pastor Joe, you don't know my wife, you don't know my husband, you don't know my kids. Maybe I don't, but I do know someone that does. His name is Jesus. If we're going to build great marriages and families, we need to pray. We need to pray. Um, there's no such thing as a perfect man. There's no such thing as a perfect woman. We are all broken in some way. We all have challenges. We need help. But what makes the difference in our lives is the power and the presence of God. Paul says, therefore, I want the men everywhere to pray, uh, lifting up holy hands without anger or disputing. I want men everywhere to lift up holy hands and, and begin to pray and cry out to God. Being a man of God is not about how loud or strong you are. Again, we have these preconceived ideas about what it means to be a real man. It's not about how loud or strong you are. Real strength is deeper and comes by spending time with God. Being a man of God is about having the mind of God. It's about having the wisdom of God. It's about having the courage to speak the truth, even if it's not popular. It's about always speaking the truth with love. The greatest example that we have is Jesus Christ, who, who, who always was full of grace and full of truth. Full of grace and full of truth. Full of love and mercy, but never afraid to speak the truth. That's why, men, I want to encourage you to pray. Pray for your spouse. Pray for your children. Pray for your family. When you argue, pray. When you need to make big decisions, pray. Let the house be covered with prayer in the name of Jesus. Fifth of the promises has to do with a man in his church. It says we commit to support the mission of the church by honoring and praying for the pastor and by actively giving our time and resources. I love this one because it says that we, 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 we commit to praying for the pastor. Um, and I can just say that as leaders, and you know, uh, we need your prayer like never before. Now, I need your prayer like never before. Uh, times are challenging. We need wisdom to lead. The church is a target for the enemy. And that's why more than ever we need your prayer. And, and, I, and I love this. It says, it says a, man, a man of God commits to praying for the leadership and praying for their church because they understand something about the power of the local church for, their, for the well-being of their marriage and the well-being of their family. We pray for the leaders and we support the church. David says, this one thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek Him in His temple. David loved the house of God. It's just one thing that I want. I want to love the house of God, made the house of God a priority. We don't just attend church. We don't just, we don't just bring our family to church. We get involved with church. We find a place to serve. We join a life group. We bring our kids to church. We bring, bring, our, bring our kids to, to, to kids' church. We hang around men that are doing the right thing and we learn from them in the name of Jesus. All the data shows that marriages and families that connect to church are healthier and stronger. All the data shows that. Bring your kids to Sunday school. The kids are going to do better in school and in every single area because, because they're part of the church. There's something protective about the church that I cannot understand it, but I know it to be true. 
Oh, I say this quite often and, you know, I always think about our previous generation, our parents' generation, migrants come out from Australia and come out to Australia with, you know, with one suitcase and my dad gives that $20 or, you know, whatever he had in his, in his pocket at that particular time. They came out with nothing, grade one schooling and, and you know, a lot, of, a lot of the migrant stories are all the similar kind of stories and somewhere in those early days they gave their life to Jesus Christ. They got a revelation of who God was. They got a revelation that God's word was truth and his power is truth. And my dad never read James Dobson. I wish he had, you know. um, uh, He never did one of those parenting classes. Never did any of those kinds of things there. What they had was the Bible. Their parenting book was the Bible. Uh, that's, That's all they had. And you know what the Bible says, you know, you need to love the house of God. You need to make the house of God a priority. And they made the house of God a priority. And here we are today. And today our generation is, is uh, we, we've got all of our books and we've got instructions and we've got this. Thank God for all of that. Thank God we need all of those things. I think all of that's all good. But you know, we're missing the most important things. Let's get the basic things right. Let's love the house of God. Let's love the church. Let's love God. Let's love prayer. Let's love worship. And we will see a difference in our families and in our marriages. Can I hear an amen? If you love the house of God, your kids will love the house of God. You want your kids to love giving to the church? Then, then model the behavior. Model the behavior. Sixth promise has to do with a man and his brothers. It says we commit to reach beyond our racial and denominational barriers to demonstrate the power of biblical unity. One of the things we need to commit to is biblical unity. There's one thing the enemy wants to do is divide us. And he will use our gender differences, our ethnicity, our background, our age to try and divide us. But one of the things godly men do is they look beyond what divides us. The Bible says, for we are not ignorant of the devil's schemes. They look at the spirit behind what seeks to divide us. We're living in a world right now that wants to divide all of us into different areas. And a godly man looks beyond those superficial things and and sees the spirit behind that and says, I'm not going to be a part of that. We're not going to fall prey to the devil's schemes. Instead, we will do everything we can to love people, support people, and to protect the unity of the faith. David says, behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It's like precious oil upon the head running down the beard. The beard of Aaron running down on the edge of his garments. It's like the Jew of Hermon descending upon the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord commands his blessing life forevermore. Seventh promise has to do with the man and his world. It says we commit to influence this world. Being obedient to the great commandment and the great commission. We will make a commitment to be the light in the darkness. We commit to being people of influence in our jobs and in our family and in our, in our neighborhood. I love what Paul says. He says, for Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. All of this is only possible because of the first of the promises, which involves a man and his God. And it says we commit to honor Jesus Christ through worship, prayer, and obedience to God's word through the power of the Holy Spirit. Being a man of God begins by worshiping God, by honoring Jesus Christ through prayer and through seeking God. You need to know that a home will be different when the father husband begins to pray. When a man commits himself to growing in his faith, that home will be different. When a man commits to reading the word every single day, the home will be different. His life will be different. His work will be different. His family will be different. The marriage will be different. 
When a man commits to loving Jesus, serving Jesus, his life will be lived differently. Not only his, but his whole family. Again, go back to my previous generation. I just, I just love these guys. Just had a service with them, first service, and they're all here, you know. They're not worried about COVID, you know. <laughs> COVID, get COVID. I need to be in church. There's something about that. There's something very powerful about that. Nothing is going to stop me from coming to the house of God because they've understood. They built their whole life on, on three or four principles that have guided them through their whole lives. And, um, you know, we think, well, Pastor Joe, what does it mean, you know, to, to, to be a man of God, to, to have a great marriage and, and a great family? It's just so hard to do, you know, and it's not easy. It is not easy. In our modern world today, we've got just so much. And, and the, the biggest challenge we have is our mobile phones because we see everybody else's marriage and they look like they're so in love. <laughs> and their family looks perfect as they stand around that table all smiling like that, fake smiles. And they've just been, been, been prodding each other, just had a big argument. Smile. You'll see a few of those today. <laughs> and we go, that's not my family, you know. I, 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 we must be an absolute disaster, an absolute mess. No, you're not. You're normal. <laughs> All families are dysfunctional. Can I hear an amen? That was a loud. Some of you were a very loud amen right there, man. That was a very loud amen for some of you. Our parents built their families on some basic principles. Number one, love God. What does that mean? What does that mean? Oh, I love God. No, what does that mean? It means I love prayer. I love to cry out to God. I, I, I love prayer. I love speaking to God. Heard me say many times, my dad used to hear my dad get up at five, used to go six o'clock, used to leave for work, five o'clock, he's up praying. I'm bedroom next door, and I can hear him praying. <laughs> you know, no shame, no nothing, just belt it out, you know. And I'm woken up hearing him pray. Listen, how many, how many, how many people know families would be different if men got up 30 minutes before and started to cry out to God? Now, that's not to say that if mums do that as well, it won't, be, it won't make a difference, it will make a difference as well. I'm just saying there's something very powerful about a man praying for his family. Men pray, they read their word. I open the Bible. The Bible isn't just some book in the shelf. They open the word. As they open the word, they say, Lord, would you speak to me through your word? As they begin to read the word, God begins to speak. They love prayer. They love the word of God and begin to do what it says. And number three, they love the house of God. Is there church on this week? Yep, I'll be there. Because there's something about the house of God. There's something about coming together in the house of God that protects our families, that protects our marriages. We need to understand that more than ever, the enemy is seeking to undermine the role of men and women for that matter. And when that happens as men, we can lower ourselves to one of two positions, either passivity. Well, whatever you want, it's fine. You, you, you do that or power and control, both of those, are way below what it means to be a man of God. God wants us to rise up and me, the man that He's called us to be. How's that going to happen? Number one, commit to growing in your relationship with God. Commit to growing in your relationship with God. Find 10 minutes in the day and speak to God. Develop close friendships. Find at least another person that you can open up to. Live with integrity. People say, oh, I don't trust anyone. Learn to trust. Trust is built over time. Do the work required to build a deep friendship. Live with integrity. 
Love your family. Love the church. Protect the unity. Influence your world. The enemy knows if we can weaken a man, he can weaken a marriage, a family, a society, a nation. When the princes in Israel take the lead, when people willingly offer themselves, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So how does that happen? How does that happen really? Commit to growing in every area and above all else, we draw strength from the greatest man that ever lived. His name was Jesus. The Bible says, and if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. And so today we're going to break bread together. And I think it's so fitting that we should break bread together on Father's Day because what we're doing when we break bread, we say, God, you know what he's just talked about? That's just not where I'm at right now. And I feel, I feel like I can't do this. I need your strength. So would you help me to do that today? Come on, when we stand, we're going to just sing a quick chorus and then we're going to break bread together. Amen.